Luke chapter 10, verse 1. After these things. Somebody say, after these things. After Wins Conference, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place. Here it is. Where he himself was about to go. He sent them out where he was about to go. (laughs) He said, go there. I'm on my way. I want to talk to you today about being positioned for the miraculous. We're ready, and now we're going to be positioned for the miraculous. If you want to be positioned, would you lift your hands and say, Lord, position me wherever that is, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to say, whoever you want me to be, I'm going to go with faith because I know that as I look over my shoulder, I'm going to see the coming of the Lord. I'm going to see the demonstration of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Somebody say in Jesus name, you may be seated. On January the 2nd of 2020, I won't say 2020 anymore. It's scary to say that, 2020. Um, I think we're going to have a new, uh, after this year, we're going to have a new measurement of time and dates. And we're going to say BC, which will mean before COVID. <laughs> January. Th- these are dad jokes. I'm a dad. so And... Uh, January the 2nd, I, my plane descended into Sydney, Australia. I was there for their national conference. My wife and I have been so blessed to go down under many times to Australia and pray the kangaroos through to the Holy Ghost. It's powerful, hopping all over the place. Amen. And as the plane descended... I tried to look out my window and and it looked like someone had painted the glass white. I couldn't see anything. It was zero visibility and thought, man, it's a foggy day. And I landed and the superintendent texted me. He said, welcome to smoky Australia. And I didn't realize, I mean, how many of you read the Australia Times when you wake up in the morning? And I didn't realize that there were wildfires ravaging the nation, not just a town, a location, a city, but an entire nation. And they were literally facing the greatest tragedy and devastation of the nation's history. Billions, I'm sorry, Sister Elms, but billions of animals <laughs> lost their lives. And, and thousands of people lost their lives. And, and in fact, there's still fires going on even now. It's been over a year. And, and uh, so I landed. And here I am. I'm arriving for the General Conference of Australia. What a great momentous occasion. And yet it's right in the middle of a tragedy. And to make a longer story short, I remember on January the 2nd, that night, I I have a little journal that when God speaks one of those words that you know this is God, I write it down and, and let God prove me wrong, you know, if he has to. But I wrote it down. And on January the 2nd, that night, at the first service at that conference, God said, prepare yourself. Everything's about to change. The way you do ministry is about to change. Prepare yourself. I called my wife who's back in Texas. She said, I just felt the same thing, you know. And, and the very next morning at about 3 a.m., I woke up to the sound of the fire alarm in the hotel room. Remember, I'm in a nation that's on fire. <laughs> and the fire alarms are going off. And the lady comes over the PA system in my room and says, don't be alarmed. That's funny. Don't be alarmed. It's just an alarm. She says, there's no fire in the building, but there is smoke. We're trying to, we're waiting on the fire department to get here to turn it off. And an hour later, uh, I had set my Holy Ghost aside because the fire alarm was still going off and it's now four in the morning and I'm frustrated. (laughs) And I called the front desk. I said, what in God's name is going on here? And she said, well, 
She said, we're on the list waiting for the fire department to come because every building in Canberra where we were at the nation's capital, every building in, in, in Canberra, their fire alarm is going off because smoke has entered the city. And, and uh, so we waited. They finally came and turned it off. The, the, that morning, I was notified that the conference was canceled, at least as of that day. And they said, don't go outside. I went outside. I had to see it for myself. <laughs> if you don't know me, I'm just, I got a few wires loose in my brain. <laughs> and they said, don't go outside. I said, I got to see this. And I walked outside and I, I have pictures of it. I was in downtown skyscrapers everywhere and standing on the sidewalk. I couldn't see the buildings on the other side because it was so smoky. I couldn't see the the trees on the other side standing outside for five minutes my lungs began to burn and and so i went back inside and and uh i thought well general conference is canceled i just flew all this way and not only that but people have come from all over the nation and not only that but i've spoken to ministers who drove 15 20 plus hours to canberra for the general conference knowing that their home would be burned while they were at general conference one man showed me the video. He said, look, he said, I just received a video from my, my neighbor. He said, if you want to save your belongings, you need to get back now. The fires have gotten into our neighborhood. I've reached our neighborhood. He said, it wasn't even a discussion for me and my wife because we came to see our two children filled with the Holy Ghost. And we're not leaving until they are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. The youth of that nation, the youth of that nation were, were there. The apostolic young people were there. And they made up their minds. I don't know who it was, but somebody sent out a text and they said, General Conference is not over. They said, it's just postponed. <laughs> they said, one of the guys, they said, I want you to come to my Airbnb. And, and ladies, y'all need to go together at your hotels. Get together at your hotels and your Airbnbs. And guys, we're going to gather together. These are young people, teenagers and young adults. And they said, we're going to fast all day and we're going to pray. Listen, they said, we're going to pray until this smoke leaves our city. Teenagers and young adults position themselves. They literally fasted all day and they prayed through the entire night. And at about 7 a.m., I woke up to my phone ringing from the uh, general superintendent. He said, good news. Uh, he said, general conference is back on. I said, really, what happened? He said, look out your window. When I looked out the window, the smoke was completely gone. Uh, it was the clearest day you could imagine. Do you really believe that if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, will position themselves and pray and seek my face, God will hear your prayer. I want to be positioned. I was slated to preach the last service of that conference and I said, God, what would you want me to say in a situation like this? The Lord spoke to me and said, tell them they need to open their eyes of faith and see the opportunity that lies before them. You want to preach about opportunity in the face of the greatest opposition this nation has ever seen? He said, yeah. He said, because this is an atheist nation and at best it's an agnostic nation. A nation that doesn't believe in God and some of them believe in a higher power but refuse to call him God. They said, but right now this nation is standing with nothing else to lean on, nothing else to depend on. And they're starting to look up. He said, tell this church, seize the opportunity. I feel that's what the Lord is speaking this morning. I didn't give them this verse. I gave them about 185 verses. Didn't give them this one. In Deuteronomy chapter 8 and 2 through 4, it says that God, God is speaking and he says, I led you into the wilderness. I, I'm in charge. I, I put you in the wilderness. It wasn't the devil. I did it. He says, watch this. This is not what a dad should say. He said, I allowed you to hunger. I've never said that to little Levi. Hey, son, you've been so good. He called me last night and I told him, if you're good, I'm going to bring you a prize. 
he FaceTimed me last night with, with my wife. He's three years old. He said, Daddy, bring me a prize. I've been good. <laughs> I've never looked at my little three-year-old son and said, Good news, buddy. I'm going to let you get hungry and go to bed without supper. Congratulations. A father doesn't say, I'm going to let you go hungry. But he says, I allowed you to hunger to reveal what was in your heart. See, what is it about pressure? When a sponge is squeezed, it reveals the contents on the inside. He said, I've let you go through. Hosea 5.15 says, in their affliction, they will seek me early. The word affliction in the Hebrew means a tight place of distress. A tight place will squeeze you until it reveals what's on the inside. He said, I allowed you to hunger to reveal what was inside. In verse 4, he says, I protected your clothes. I protected your shoes. Your feet didn't wear out. In other words, I protected the outside. I tested the inside. See, I'm letting you go through this COVID season. I've pushed you out of your buildings and out of your comfort to bring to the surface what's been on the inside. And while you might be thinking the way I once thought about it, oh God, I need to repent because he did. He revealed things. Can I get some head nodders that that can testify? He revealed some things in me that I was ashamed to realize it was in there. I realized that the motivation of my prayer life was my ministry. And when he took it away, in one week, six weeks of my schedule vanished. And now I don't have a motivation to pray anymore. You know what the Lord spoke to me? He said, I will reward you if you'll diligently seek me. My wife, in fact, watch this. This is crazy to me. On March the 8th, this was not considered a national, this was not even considered a national emergency yet or a pandemic yet. And there was no shutdown yet on March the 8th. I finished my last service of a revival in Portland where I'm headed today. And I finished that service and the revival's over. I'm exhausted. I'm in the pastor's office with my wife and son. And I get a knock on the door and a lady comes in the office. She says, um, I, I, and she's stuttering. She's like, oh, I, 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 I need to talk to you. I, she said, I have a prophecy for you. When she said that, I pressed record on my phone because I forget real good. My forgetter works all the time. And I pressed record on the phone. And she was so nervous. She was just stuttering and stammering. And and, and I have it. I literally have it on my phone. She said, on March the 8th, she said, you're done traveling. Like, spiritually? (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm scheduled, you know. I'm, what? And she said, you're done traveling. She said, God's about to put you in a, in a season where all you can do is sit still and wait to hear the voice of God. She said, do not be dismayed because God is in charge of this season. I sent that text to Landon. He's my brother and two other guys who are my spiritual brothers. And we were all like, man, that lady's been smoking something. One week later, my phone's just blowing up. Cancel, 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 cancel. Oh, sorry, God. (laughs) The donkey was right. (laughs) I'm not calling her a donkey. Come on. Come on. (laughs) Amen. I'm in trouble. And uh, my wife, she's from Oregon. We based out of Austin, Texas. And she said, well, we don't have anything to do. Let's go see my family. Her dad pastors just in a suburb of Portland. She doesn't get to see them very often. I said, let's go. We packed our bags for one week and we haven't left. We got there for one week and the Lord spoke to me and said, I will reward you if you will diligently seek me without the motivation of your ministry. I said, what do you want me to do, God? Long story short, he says, I want you to seek me before sunrise. Not today, devil. (laughs) I'm thinking, no, 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 no. 
The late Steve Willoughby said, there's some people who are early morning coffee people with Jesus. He said, there's other people who are late night popcorn with Jesus people. I'm the late night popcorn with Jesus person. But Jesus said, seek me before sunrise and I'll reveal my secrets to you. This is just a little commercial break, but let me just throw this in there. If you need to hear the voice of God, I challenge you to seek him early. Do you know why? See, you can tap in. This is, I'm sorry, but you can tap into a strategy of spiritual warfare at night because demonic spirits are in operation at night in your region. What goes on at night? Mama always said nothing good happens after 10 o'clock. Devils are alive and well after 10 o'clock. They're partying, they're clubbing, they're smoking, they're raping, they're sleeping around. They're, they're all asleep at four in the morning, five in the morning. Right? I was in that world. I know. I backslid and I was a partier. I know. I, I, I wasn't partying until no 5 a.m. I was asleep, hungover. Devil's asleep at 5 a.m. in your region. That's why when you walk out in the morning and you feel like, man, it felt, smells so fresh. It's easy to hear the voice of God when the voices of distraction are sleeping. And on day six of this 40-day, God told me to do it for 40 days, sunrise prayer, and God told me where to go. There's a mountain across the street from the church where we're living or staying, and he said, I want you to go up to that mountain, and, and I'm thinking, okay. And so I go up to this mountain for 40 days before sunrise, but on day six, I had backslidden at least nine times. I, I mean, when you try to get up, it's a joke, y'all can laugh, but when you try to get up, when I, I, I'm not a morning person and I try to get up at 4 a.m., my God, I felt less spiritual than I'd ever, ever felt in my life. But on day six, I, the feeling of the word had worn off when God said, I'll, I'll reward you if you diligently seek me. The feeling had worn off. I'm in this tight place of distress. My schedule has vanished. I'm in a place of affliction and I'm trying to seek God early. I'm trying to seek God diligently, but the feeling is gone. In about three hours from now, the feeling of this conference will start to wander away. That's why he's given us a word because the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word stands forever. So I'm on day six. In fact, let me digress to day two, okay, real quick. This is funny. On day two, I get a phone call from a guy named Josh Herring. (laughs) He's one of my brothers. He calls me on day two. That dude is just radical crazy for Jesus. I mean, he's like on spiritual steroids, man. I love it. He calls me on day two. He says, Chris. When you see a bus. When I see a bus. When God gives you a dream and you see a bus, it means ministry. Okay, bye. I was like, yeah, I got the word. No, I was like, what? When I see a bus in a dream, it means ministry. All right. (laughs) Day six, I'm on the mountain and I'm frustrated. Uh, The feeling's gone. The emotion is worn off. And I've got 34 more days of this. And I begin to pray about five in the morning. I said, God. If I'm doing what you want me to do, just give me something. A high five. A little hug. I mean, something. I need something. My grandmother calls me. No, I called my grandmother. That's right. I felt led to call my grandmother. I said, hey, Grandma, I just felt to call you and pray with you. I don't know why. She said, oh, Christopher, she said. I I was just praying because I've had this dream and I just prayed, God, send me someone to interpret this dream. And she starts telling me the dream and I got distracted because my phone started vibrating and I got a text message and I look at the text and I didn't hear the dream. (laughs) But the text message was from a pastor in Virginia. I'm in Oregon. He don't know where I am or what I'm doing. I'm sitting on this mountain and he texts me and says... God has positioned you to sit still on a mountain to hear the voice of God. 
And at the bottom of the text, it said, I have the text. He said, don't forget, he will reward you for diligently seeking him. So then I'm literally like, I put the phone on mute. My grandma's still talking. I'm just, just speaking in tongues. And, and then I'm thinking, oh, shoot, she's telling me this story, this dream, you know, that she wants somebody to interpret. So I, I unmute and I said, Grandma, I'm so sorry. Can you start from the beginning? She says, sure, I can. And she goes, I was sitting on a bus. Okay. She said, and my stop was coming up. It was my stop and I gathered my things and the bus driver just kept on going. And now I'm flustered and I'm frustrated and I'm anxious and I'm confused. I'm thinking, why did he pass my stop? That was my stop. What am I going to do? I'm going to be lost. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to walk back. And she said, I started to look to yell at the bus driver. And when I looked at the bus driver's seat, there was no one there. She said, all of a sudden, this urge came up in me to look to my left. And there was this stranger sitting on the sitting on the third row in the bus and on the bus. And she said, I felt this urge in me to just look at him and say, read Acts 2, 38. She said, so when that urge hit me, I just looked at him and I just kept saying it over and over. Read Acts 2.38. Read Acts 2.38. Read Acts 2.38. And she said, when I finished saying it, the bus just went and stopped. And I knew it was for me to get off. She said, I get off and I don't know where I'm at. I see this big white building in front of me. She said, I don't know what, what it is. What, I don't know what's going on. I don't see an entrance anywhere. And all of a sudden, I hear my name. Cheryl Green. She said, I turn around, and there was a lady I've never seen before, but I could tell she knew me. And she had a clipboard, and she looked down and looked back up, and she said, Cheryl Green? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I've got your name here. Come on in. When she finished that, the Holy Ghost came all over me. I've never never interpreted somebody else's dream before but there's something about pressure that will squeeze out of you the giftings that have already been in you it may squeeze out some things that are unsavory and not worth taking a selfie over and bragging about but it's going to bring out the things that you never realized I had that gift inside of me I had that anointing inside of me and I said grandma I've got the interpretation the bus is your ministry I said and when grandpa died in 2011 the same grandpa I preached about yesterday I said when grandpa died in 2011 you thought that was your stop and you were supposed to get off your ministry but God said no baby I've got more for you you're going to keep on going and you're going to keep on being used for my glory hold on I said, so you looked for the bus driver and you saw no one there. I said, that's because God is driving your bus and no one has seen God at any time. For God is a spirit. I said, grandma, you're not a pastor's wife anymore. Your husband died. You're not the leader of a church anymore. And you have felt like you're ah for the whole shataha. I said, you have felt like your identity has been compromised because of the loss of your husband. I said, and so you have felt insecure that I can't sing anymore and I can't lead this anymore and I can't do that anymore. And God has put that urge inside of you to say, plant the seed of salvation. Just tell everyone you can. Read Acts 2.38. said and when you're done preaching that word and planting that seed that man's gonna get on another bus where somebody baptizes him in the name of Jesus and he'll get on another bus where somebody prays him through to the gift of the Holy Ghost I said grandma and when
when it is over for you and your ministry or the bus comes to a stop. I said the lady that was speaking your name, that was proof that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. God's going to say, well done. Well done. She I've never interpreted somebody's dream before and little did I know that I was going to interpret somebody's dream when my schedule was canceled, when my revivals were canceled, when all chaos was breaking loose in my life, when it seemed like I was sitting in darkness and God said, get on that mountain boy and start praying. Get up when you don't feel like getting up. Get up before the sun and seek my face when you shot out I didn't realize that God was going to squeeze a gifting out of me in the midst of a storm when I didn't feel the goosebumps of the winds conference when I didn't have a worship team singing breakthrough but when I was on a mountain saying God do you even hear me I want to be positioned. You may be seated. I want to be positioned. Jesus tells them, Luke records it in his 10th chapter. Matthew records it in his 10th chapter. Luke records this part of it in verse 1 that Jesus says, I'm about to position you boys. I'm about to position you ladies and where I position you I'm going to show up man 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 so when you go you're going to get there by yourself first I'm not going to be there yet but he said I'm sending you where I myself, I'm about to go. So when you get there and you start prophesying and you start praying and you start Bible study and you try to do something for God and it seems like it's not happening yet and the devil stands up and says see you didn't get nothing from that conference see you're not anointed there wasn't an impartation given to you you weren't restored you weren't transformed what you need to do is look at the devil and say devil just wait about five more minutes the king is on his way I said, the king is on his way. He sent me here first. He sent me. He positioned me to the place that he's going. So when you get to where you're going, when God positions you, don't worry about what you feel. Don't worry about what you see. Just stand on the prophetic word of God that says, I'm going to pour out my spirit. I will pour out my spirit. You preach it. You prophesy. You pray it and I'm going to show up. There's some followers of God that are about to be followed by God in this place. Uh, You didn't catch that. I said, there's some followers of God in this place that are about to be followed by the demonstration. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. You may be seated. He says in verse 2, the harvest is great. Labors are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send labors. Go your way. I send you out as lambs among wolves. Brother, well, I'm not going to say his name. He's a missionary to the Middle East. He's like the CIA of the UPC. (laughs) 
He brought it out, the revelation to our movement, that here in Luke 10, as well as in Matthew 10, the word send in the Greek is apostelos. Sound familiar? That's what you're supposed to be. I said supposed to be. Apostelos is the sent sent ones, which is where we get the term apostolic. Sent where? To a pew? No. To a world. Which means you're Pentecostal when you come to church. You're Pentecostal when you stand in the upper room on the day of Pentecost and receive the rushing mighty wind. You're Pentecostal because you came here and you said, let the wind of God blow. Hell has a rooster, but heaven's got a wind. But you're apostolic when you go, 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 go. Brother Elms, if I say this wrong, you take the microphone and say it right. I want to be Pentecostal. But we're not built on the foundation of the Pentecostals. We're built on the foundation of the apostles. We're built on the foundation of the apostles and and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. I am apostolic. I got to get through some of this. I trust me, I'm cutting out about 20 pages because Sister Elms preached it. You may be seated. He says in verse 4, carry neither money bag, knapsack, sandals. Sandals in the Greek is Birkenstock. It's a joke. And greet no one along the road. Watch this. Watch what he says in the next verse. What's the context? Sheep in the midst of wolves, not sheep in the midst of sheep. Sheep in the midst of wolves. He says in the next verse, he talks about the impartation of the gifts of the spirit. Heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Verse 10, whatever city you enter and they do not receive you. That's a prophecy saying some places you're going to go, they're not going to receive it. It's not your failure. It's their rejection. And do not receive you. Go out into the streets and say, The very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. I had a man in Australia years ago laugh in my face, an elderly man, laugh in my face when I invited him to church. He was probably in his 70s, and he literally said these words. He's laughing, and he says, You think with the last few years of my life I have left, I'm going to waste going to church? And he walked away, and God said, He'll remember that a man of God was among him one day. Watch this. It's about to get crazy. Verse 17. Then the 70 returned. They went out and they returned. With joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Here's where we are in the Holy Ghost right now. Not one person in this room is afraid of a devil. Maybe we are. I'm going to say that in English. Not one person in this room is afraid of a devil. But hold on a second. The spirit of fear doesn't care what you're afraid of as long as you're afraid. So watch what he's done during the COVID era. Oh, you're not afraid of me anymore? I'll make you afraid of each other. I'll make you so afraid of your brother, you won't lay hands on him. 
I'll make you so afraid of your sister, you won't prophesy to her. I'll make you so afraid of the church that you won't go to church. I don't care if you're not afraid of me. I'll make you scared of each other. But I feel like something has awakened in this conference. I'm not scared of the devil and I'm not scared of you. I am the house of God and no weapon, no weapon, no weapon, no weapon formed against me is able to prop. you to lay hands on somebody beside you right now and say I'm not scared of you I'm not afraid of you Watch this. Watch this. They could not believe it, Brother Myers. They came running back after going into the world and they saw the dead raised, the sick healed. They saw the leprous cleansed. They saw demon people possessed delivered instantly. It's recorded in Matthew 10 what they would see. And they said, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us. They couldn't believe it, so he told them, Oh, I know. Let's go to the next verse. Yeah, yeah, I know they're subject to you. You know why I know? Because I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I knew he'd be subject to you because I was there when he fell. I saw him fall. You see him standing up, bowing his chest. I see him falling like lightning. He said, behold, 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 I give you authority, not faith, authority. Faith says, I'll pray about it. Authority says, I don't need to pray about it. It's going to happen. He said, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this. I don't want you running the aisles just because you have authority. I gave you authority. You didn't deserve it. He said, rejoice because your names... are written watch don't rejoice over your power rejoice over your position verse 21 in that hour Jesus rejoiced in the spirit You ever seen Jesus run the aisles? They go out as apostolics. They come back. He starts dancing, rejoicing. They finally got it. They're not just coming to me anymore. They're going to the world now. He starts dancing and rejoicing. Watch what he says. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. 
Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. Verse 23. Then he turned to his disciples privately and said, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it. And to hear what you hear and have not heard Jesus said, let me tell you why you're blessed. Not because you avoid storms and not because you're powerful, not because you're great, not because you got to preach this and not because you got to go there. You are blessed when you go into the world and you see people's lives transformed and you see you see the carnal scales fall off their eyes and all of a sudden they say I see it I see it now I believe it now he said you're blessed listen to me somebody needs to stop comparing yourself to the world and think why do I have to live like this Man, I could go get a job and make a lot of money, drive a fancy car and have it all made. Some of you, uh, some of you need to get your eyes off the world. Stop comparing yourself to the world and start conforming yourself to the cross. He didn't feel blessed while he was hanging on the cross. But three days later, there was an earthquake from heaven. He kicked over the tomb. He walked out crowned with glory. And because he endured the shame of the cross. You can stand, it's fine, but just listen. We've been in Oregon. If you've seen any news, you know Portland is burning down. My wife and I, we've been there and, and had, we weren't preaching for months. And, and, and finally June came and scheduled back on, you know, I've got to preach here and there, whatever. And I said, babe, we've got to go. And, and we have a truck and trailer that we don't use. I mean, it's tough to do. And... and but I said, hey, why don't we take our trailer with us? We don't know what's going to happen. You know, let's just do it for fun. You know, we can have some adventures. And we didn't know what was waiting for us. We, I finished those 40 days of sunrise, early sunrise prayer, you know. And, and we get in our truck the very next day and load up our trailer and we drive out of Oregon. Oregon is one of the most beautiful places in all the world. We're seeing the mountains and everything else and we're driving through. Literally the moment we crossed the state border, I mean the storm showed up and the whale swallowed us up. And everything that could go wrong went wrong. In 36 hours we had four blowout tires. I had to buy five, a fifth new tire because our spare tire wasn't any good and I didn't trust it. In fact, we bought all five of those tires in a suburb of Arizona, uh, of Phoenix, Arizona by the name of Goodyear. I mean, that's like God showing up in the belly of the whale and said, Do you want to know, you want to know his, his name is? His name is Joppa. <laughs> like, what? Literally, my wife and I were, I mean, in such fear and uncertainty. What's going on? I mean, you have five, four blowout tires and on a trailer, you got to wait for special people to come who can, you know, jack up a trailer. And, and there was times we literally sat on Interstate 10 for five and six hours through the night waiting for somebody to come and jack up our trailer. And, and 115 degrees in Arizona. And we finally get to Arizona. We finally get, we're sitting at discount tire and the manager's walking out with me. I said, I want to show you my spare and this other tire to see if you think we should change those tires too. As we're walking out, the truck is parked and turned off. As we're walking out, we hear, boom! People hit the deck like an explosion, like a bomb went off. 
it was my fourth tire that blew out. I mean, it was like God just dropping bombs. You're going the wrong way. We get it all fixed. We're sitting in the parking lot and my spiritual wife, she finally gets the bright idea. She says, maybe we should pray. Okay. She's in the front seat. My son is, we're trying to put him down for a nap. I said, okay, let's pray. My wife goes into some sort of like, I mean, African spiritual warfare prayer, just, ah! and I'm sitting in the back quiet, like, oh, give me the translation. Give me the translation. <laughs> for two hours, my wife travails in tongues. We tell each other, we say, we don't know what to do, so why don't we just stand still for a little bit? And we go to this RV park, and we start fasting and praying, and the next day, the next day, a whisper comes, go back to Oregon. We have been driving for four days. We're halfway to Texas. Go back to Oregon. I said, what, God? Go back to Oregon. No, 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 no. God, my schedule says Louisiana and Atlanta and Florida and this and that. I don't care what your schedule says. Go back to Oregon. I said, why? There's revival in Oregon. No, there's riots in Oregon, God. I said, there's, there's literally raging fires, wildfires. There, there's chaos. There's debauchery and there's perversion. And God said, I see revival. I called my father-in-law crying on the phone and I said, I humble myself. My first words, I said, I humble myself because we're coming back to Oregon. The very next morning, I get a phone call from Victor Jackson. I just say his name because y'all know who he is. He, he don't call me every day. He don't call me every day. He don't ever call me. He calls me the very next morning. He calls me the very next morning and says, thus saith the Lord. He don't know where we are and what we're doing. He says, your decision to go back from where you came from was a test. And you just passed the test. I said, God, I don't have a schedule. I don't have an income. Listen, thank you for the clapping. But it gets worse. I get back to Oregon. I'm calling all the pastors. Revival's coming. I mean, I, I'm call, I called the superintendent. I said, I got revival in my briefcase, baby. We're going. Let's go. He, where they're all excited. I get to the first service. <laughs> Dead church. Man, I preached on Jesus. I, I did everything I could. And nobody would amen. People came to the altar and just stood there. I went and sat down in the front pew. And I'm literally just shaking. And I said, God, we have, you've put us through this. And you told me to go back to Oregon because there's revival in Oregon. I said, God, what, what are you doing? What am I supposed to do? And the Lord speaks to me and says... You're looking forward in the wrong place. He says, my revival is not here. It's out there. I said, God, I shot that. Everybody close your eyes right now. Jesus name. Jesus name. So go out beyond your comfort zone. I have called you beyond a pew, beyond a building. It's your neighborhoods to your streets. You may never hold a mic. You may never have a pulpit. But the dining room table will be your pulpit. Your Bible study will be your mic. Somebody just speak out for a moment.
This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. Listen to this. In Matthew 10, as Matthew records it, he says, when you go out as sheep in the midst of wolves, he said, you will be arrested and beaten. Jesus said that. But guess what it says? In the King James, it says, but while you're being beaten, this is your testimony. The New Living Translation says, while you're being beaten, this is your opportunity to tell them about me. Wait, wait, did you catch what God is saying? He said, while they are beating you, turn around and say, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? The greatest example we have of that for us today was Jesus on a cross. While nails are drug pushed through his hands, feet, he says, there's an opportunity here. He looks over and tells a thief who doesn't deserve a word and says, today you'll be with me in paradise. He looks at a Roman soldier who drove those nails through his body. And he says, I see an opportunity. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And scripture says that Roman soldier received the revelation of who he was. When Paul and Silas were in prison, praying and singing at midnight, the prison doors were opened. And the jailer took out his sword to kill himself. Because it says he assumed the prisoners had left the prison. When prison doors open, prisoners leave. They flee. Apostolics see the opportunity. He said, I've got to kill myself because the prisoners are gone. And Paul yells out and says, don't harm yourself. We are still here. I don't think you're getting it. COVID has tried to lock us down. The world has tried to shut us up. But I feel the unction of the Holy Ghost declaring to the spirit world, we are still here. I didn't run. I didn't retreat. I didn't go away. I am still here. The scripture says the jailer, watch this, the person who had been beating them all night, he got a light and ran into their jail and said, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? The scripture says he took them home. He fed them. Watch this now. It says, he began to minister to their wounds. He began to tend to their wounds that he had put on them. I told Brother Gore, and this was private. I'm careful to share this because I don't want to shine any light on myself, but I'm praying through this altar the other day at this conference and just the spirit of the Lord begins to speak to me and says tell each and every one of them that by my stripes are you healed but by their wounds souls will be saved listen your wounds will become a scar and your scar will become a testimony that I was being positioned for the miraculous. I know I was wounded, but it was a positioning of my flesh. It was a positioning of my calling. God was just positioning me. He was pressuring me to squeeze out the anointing, to bring to the surface the calling and purpose and gifting.
We don't need to repent in this service. And listen, we don't need to persuade God in this service. He's already persuaded. Go ye into all the world. What we're going to do today is position ourselves. Yes, yes, yes. You're not going to receive a position, but you're going to be positioned. That position is going to bring about some persecution, but the persecution is going to bring a testimony of the grace and glory of God. Jesus rejoiced because they came to church, but he rejoiced because they went out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Somebody's going to make the king rejoice today. Somebody's going to make Jesus shout today. I'm going to put the microphone down right now. I'm going to put the microphone down. But I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you how to pray and to position yourself beyond the circumstance of fear and uncertainty and confusion. How do we do outreach when there's a social distancing? How do we do this and how do we do that? How do we do in-home Bible studies and how do we do that? First of all, you're blessed that you're in a great state of Florida. When God said, I want you to go out into the streets, I said, God, I'm going to get killed. I'm going to get murdered. There's riots. There's literally homicides, murders, and all sorts of stuff going on. Bombs are going off everywhere. And I said, how do I, how do I go talk to somebody? That social distance, how do I? The Lord showed me in Matthew 10. He said, if you'll just step out as a sheep in the midst of wolves, he says, you won't have to wonder how. He said, and you won't have to ask what am I going to say? My spirit will do it. There is a prophetic anointing that's been on this whole conference, Brother Myers. And I feel the spirit of creative vision in this service. I don't even know exactly what that means. But there is a spirit of creative vision for young people, teenagers, young adults, ministers, pastors, spouses. There is a spirit of creative vision that if in this service you'll say, okay, God, I hear you. I'm stepping out as a sheep in the midst of wolves. Instantly, that spirit of creative vision of how to do it, of what to speak, will enter your mind. You're going to have an idea enter your mind in this service that you're going to think, that sounds so dumb. That sounds so juvenile. That sounds so childish. People are going to ridicule me. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to make sense. But if you will operate and respond without fear or hesitation, God will pave the way for you to walk on the path of the miraculous. I want everybody to close your eyes right now. All I'm going to do is just pray the prayer of faith. 
And I feel to end this prayer with the word that Jesus spoke in Mark 16. And that word is go. I'm going to end this prayer with the word go. And the very instant I shout go. I want someone to step into the dimension of a sheep in the midst of wolves. And when you take that step in your spirit in this service instantly, the spirit and the wind of creative vision is going to blow through this service. Would you just lift your hands right now? By the authority of the word of God and by the power that's in the name of Jesus Christ. I release the gift of faith. I release your love. I release your heartbeat. I release the spirit of restoration and the spirit of impartation that you would allow us to be a sheep in the midst of wolves to see the latter rain, to see the end time harvest, to see the greatest revival that this world will ever see in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go! 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 Now! Step out of your seat right now and go. Step out of your comfort right now. Somebody step out by faith right now. I resist fear. I rebuke insecurity. I rebuke doubt. I release the gift of faith. Go now. Come on. Come on. Come on, young person. Come on, apostolic. Come on, apostolic. Come on, apostle. Come on, man of God. Come on, woman of God. Go! Come on. I want somebody to step out and just start marching right now. I want you to start marching right now. Somebody start moving right now. Somebody make a declaration. I am not a monument. I am a movement. I am not a monument. I am a movement by the wind of the Holy Ghost. suicidal thought but you're still here you got addicted but you're still here you looked at pornography but you're still here you slept around but you're still here you had bitterness but you're still here you've been depressed but you're still here you've been lonely but you're still here said go out two by two I want you to link up with somebody right now I don't want anybody praying by yourself nobody will go alone the journey is too great for you but it's not too great for us it's not too great for the body it's not too great for the church
apostolic roar. Let there be an apostolic trembling. Let there be an apostolic shaking. Let us hear the sound of the rushing mighty wind. But let the world hear the sound of the voice of the apostolic people. Come on, link up with somebody. Link up with a group of apostolic men, apostolic women. Get you a brother. Get you a sister. And say, come on, baby, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.